Hey guys, this is Desi and welcome back to the podcast Candle in a Dark Room. Today, my beautiful special guest is Kayla Hayes. Kayla Hayes is 23 years old and an advocate, speaker, and author. She rose like an angel and walked away from the past filled with childhood sexual abuse and teenage domestic violence. The tragedy she's endured stole her identity, her self-worth, and her confidence. She had two choices, succumb to them or rise from them. Kayla chose to rise and wear her scars as wings. Kayla has been featured on Inside Edition, Cosmopolitan Magazine, Hashtag She Wins, and in multiple national podcast interviews and speaking engagements to tell her story and raise awareness on domestic violence. Now she inspires young people to rise, heal their hurts, and wear their scars as their wings as well. Thank you so much, Kayla, for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we finally were able to do this. (laughs) Yes, me too. I'm so glad that we were finally able to put together. Like I said, it's been like a year in the making and between both of our schedules and hectic lives, I feel like it's taken a while, but I'm so glad we were finally able to sit down and and talk about your story. I came across your story. I don't even remember when. It was like over a year and a half ago, probably almost like when I first started my podcast, almost about two years ago. And I came across your story and I just remember being shocked and I've never seen anything to this case you know domestic violence is a big part of my story um you know my parents were they my mom was in a very domestic violence situation when I was younger um and then she's been in a couple since you know she was in a couple when I was growing up as a teenager as well so I saw my mom go through a lot of domestic violence things and you know messes and blood and cuts and lots of different things I remember and it still haunts me to this day you know being a kid and seeing that so I can't imagine what you've been through and how you've gotten through this but your light and I think that's what drew me to you is considering everything you've been through your light is just like it just glows and I love that about you I love that you're so positive about your situation and that you just really do bring light and hope to people um so you know, before we get too much into what happened, let's start from the beginning of, you know, just how you grew up and the situation you grew up in and then what led you to where you are today. Yeah, I just have to say that gave me chills. Thank you so much for sharing that part of your story with me, all of us. So basically, I grew up with a single mom all my life. It wasn't a broken home. It was just, you know, a single parent home. Okay. Um, Some people like to paint I just like to mention that because some people like to paint it as oh you were broken home like no like there was so much love and more than I could have ever asked for in my household um it was just me and my mom okay I didn't we didn't really have much family the family we did have was on my dad's side and so when I was about six years old you know I was spending a lot of time over there because (laughs) my mom needed a break you know she was a young mom single mom she needed a break so I'd go over to hang out with family and about six years old was where the sexual assault began by one of the married-in family members on his side, which went on till I told when I was about 12. You know, I got to the point where I was like, no, I don't want to go over there. No, I don't want to hug anybody. Like, And she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, one day I just lashed out and mm-hmm. told her. So I, I spoke up about that. And, you know, she immediately made me go to the cops like most parents would. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing was done. It was like case was just dropped in thin air over a span of probably six years. Yeah, so we actually didn't go to court for that till I was, I think, 19. Um, oh, wow. And when did it end? When did the abuse end? Um, I'd say right before I spoke up about it. Okay, so how long did it go on? About six years. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Okay. So, you know, that really took a toll on my self-worth and I felt like just disgusting, especially because it was a, you know, such a close family member. So those, that kind of labeled me a lot during my teen years and growing up. I don't, I don't think that it led me into an abusive relationship, like I've always said, but I think that it did that power that men held over my head that did lead me into staying into an abusive relationship and thinking that that was okay. You don't just give up when you love somebody, you know, times get hard, you stick around and <laughs> it's not the case. Right. Um, just because you break that off for your safety and your boundaries, that's completely a different story than just giving up on somebody. But when I was a 17, I got into my first relationship. I was, it's funny because I was scared to date for the longest time because I knew that power that men did hold over to me. And I ended up getting into a relationship with somebody that was a couple years older than me. And from the beginning, it was, you know, so he was a really put on a really charming front at the beginning and, and nowhere in this am I trying to downgrade or deflate him as a person. It's just, I hate to say it, but it's telling the truth. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> and I think that's what people need to hear. They need to hear the raw truth of, you know, sometimes they come in and like you said, they're, they're, that's usually what happens is they're charming and they win you over and then everything happens. So please be completely honest with us about that. Yeah, I just don't, you know, I've never shared my story to bash anybody. It's just because I don't, Right. you already know all this, but I don't want to see the next person go through it. Um, Absolutely. So he was very, you know, charming, cool, collected when I first met him. And there was, you know, a rocky, rocky start because he went off with his ex-girlfriend and just disappeared for the weekend after telling me he was going with his family. So huge red flag right there. And he texted me and said, we got back together. Well, like a week or two later, he was arrested for whatever argument they got into in public and you know they they spin it <laughs> he said it was you know she did this she did this and I believed him and he had called me and was like I'm sure you've heard I'm so disappointed in myself and I was like no I haven't heard but you know I believed everything he told me so of course they ended and we connected and you know we started dating and within the first month he had cheated on me and brought me to watch people that he cheated on me with walk down a wedding Pile with him so that was just yeah. a huge mess in a blink of an eye I completely lost myself I lost you know the happiness that I once found again after everything in, in my childhood I completely withdrew from sports I didn't go off to college because you know he would threaten to break up with me at that point and you know it's like they they dangle that as a way to keep you in like right you know, out but they dangle it, it's I don't know. Maybe you can explain that a little bit better. But Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a psychological thing of that. It's a narcissist behavior, honestly, is what it is. And they're, they're basically making you, they make you dependent on them. So when that way you won't be, you'll be scared to leave them. Cause I think that's what happens a lot in domestic violence situations is they, people are like, well, why didn't you leave? Well, I wasn't, I didn't know who I was after that. I didn't know who I, he, he was a part of my identity. So I didn't know who I was. And so I think a lot of people kind of get lost in, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Kayla with him. Does that make sense? And so mm -hmm. thinking about leaving him was probably scary. Like you couldn't imagine, imagine that like you own, that's what you knew at this point. Right. Absolutely. And it's crazy because like, there were times that I had tried to get out and, you know, he would never physically like just punch me in the face, which I didn't know anything about domestic violence, but I did know like, hey, it's not abuse unless you're being punched in the face. And he would mm. tell me that, but he would, you know, there was one time I had a purse that he had gotten for me for Christmas in my car and I tried to break up with him and he's 
pulled me out of my car by my hair and slammed me up against the door to get the purse out of my car. Like things mm-hmm. like that. Like it would yeah. always be, I don't want to say materials. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Objects. that Right. Like, and then there was another experience like two months in where we got in an argument, ended up body slamming a door in my face when I was trying to push it, you know, close to lock him out because we were like, we just needed to be separated. And he, he slammed the door and it ended up knocking me in the nose back into a bed frame. And my face was all bloody and gushed. It was just a mess. And, you know, the only So thing- like you said, he was abusive, but he, yeah. and he was physically abusive, just not with his fist. He just used other things, which is just as bad if not you know what I mean like just as bad like I can't so okay sorry I'm just like trying to process everything that you're saying so um okay so we did a lot of a lot of abuse with objects and then he did a lot of emotional abuse so then what happened like I said I just lost everything like me and my mom we were always so close and like it was like she was on this side and he was on this side and I just lost both both of my arms because I I couldn't have family while having him you know, with the holidays coming up, like we couldn't spend five minutes at my family's house and we'd have to be over at his family's house. Like, like it was just like little, little things that. A lot of control. Yeah. Like it, it was completely, my life was completely stripped away from me. But so we ended up, I finally, you know, said this is it. And this leads to the whole attack. Um, we were actually separated for about a month and a half. And I texted him to ask him if he wanted any of his things back. Because, I mean, I had nice stuff of his. I'm not just one to throw it away. So yeah. I was like, you know, this could be a chance to right your wrongs. Because he told me he was going in the Navy. So we agreed mm. to meet up. And long story short, he I got into his car. And it's we, pulled in, we met at the end of my street. Because he was threatening to show up at my house. And I was like, no, like, if you come here, like, I'm dead. We've got cameras on the porch. You're not supposed to be here. Do you know that? So we met at the end of the street. And I had those God-chilling spots. Gotcha. Whatever. (laughs) It was going up my spine. Um, You just knew something was wrong. Yeah. The body knows it's crazy. I disregarded it pulling in and, you know, something told me to park like away from his car a little bit. And so I did, and I got out and got into his car and he had two, two cards and flowers. One of the cards said something about on the outside. It was, I believe in kisses that last forever. On the inside, mm. it said that we could get back together when I was ready. And that's not why I was there. I was there just in case something happened when he went off to the Navy. Mm. That way we did not end on bad terms. And I closed it and I literally didn't say anything about it other than, oh, this is cute. Where'd you get it from? Because that's not why I was there. In about five, five minutes or so, he was like, so you don't have anything else to say? And, you know, I kind of hesitated and was like, that's not why I'm here. And he told me to get get the fuck out. I don't know. if well, Yeah, no, you can say that. <laughs> he told me to get the fuck out. And I've literally never heard so much anger in a man's voice before. Just aggressively. Yeah. Like it was so aggressive. And mm. um, so I got out and he threw everything at the back of my head. And I just remember getting in my car and looking up and my leg was just like, like mega panic mode. Um, mm. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And so I look up and he's getting the flowers and everything off the ground. And um, he came into the driver's side door and I just remember him like leaning in to kiss me and I backed up and I thought he was going to force it. And he just latched onto me. Like I'm four nine. So I sit right on the steering wheel. I literally had no fighting chance to even like move or, you know, see what's going on. (laughs) So, yeah. So he just, so, so let me just make sure I get this right. So, Okay, so he came back to your car, went in through, the, like, opened the driver's door or the window? 
Yeah, he opened the driver's door. Okay, and then he went in, and you thought he was going to kiss you, but right away, so he wasn't even trying to kiss you. Right away, he knew he was going to bite you. I, I can't. Like, that's, like, like he went towards you as if he was going to bite. Like, he didn't go to try to kiss you first. Well, he got, like, right, you know, like, right up on me, and I backed Okay, up. Oh, okay, and then that's when he grabbed, got attached yeah, to you. That's when he just attached onto me, um, and he ripped me out of my car spit it out on me, I guess, because it was sitting on my leg and he slammed the, like, so at this point I'm in the middle of the car door in the car frame, just like on the ground. And he slammed the door and took off when I started screaming. Oh my goodness. I will say I've always called this man, my guardian angel. We were at a condo complex. And so this guy was taking his trash out. Well, we're not supposed to be there because obviously we don't live there. And he recognized that. So he was out there taking his trash out on a Saturday afternoon randomly thank God. And he heard me screaming. But before that, he recognized us. And he was just like, kind of like dwindling around in his truck just to waste time to see what we were doing, I guess. Mm -hmm. He was actually able to come to my aid and, you know, call the ambulance and everything. And so he's the one who called for help. I believe he saved my life that day. Absolutely. That just gives me chills. So explain what was kind of going like, did you, had you what were you in shock? What was exactly like, what was going through your head at that time? Or was it just painful or what was like, what was happening internally, I guess? This is very graphic and gross, but like when he latched onto me, like I felt the initial bite and then it went numb, but I felt everything tear. Like, Mm. I don't, I don't even know how, but so, you know, automatically it was just like a adrenaline rush. (laughs) Like it was singing create like crazy but I mean at that point like all I could think was holy shit how am I gonna get through tomorrow so sorry for my language but if you want me no to please <laughs> I swear a lot too so it's totally fine <laughs> please don't worry about it <laughs> but somehow I think there was another lady that walked out and I think I asked her to hand me my phone and I'm sure you've seen the graphic photos I do not remember taking those I think I opened my camera because my lip was on my leg and I didn't know what the heck just happened or what it was. And um, I just remember looking into it like in like a daze, like I had no idea what I was looking at. Yeah. All I could think was suicide. Like I thought suicide was my only way out of this. Instantly. That was just your thought. It was like I was seeing red or seeing black that it was just like, there was no tomorrow to be found. Um, And like now I realized what a blessing it was with how everything played out because my surgeon, I mean, I could not have asked for a better person to take care of me. Um, everybody with the EM down to the EMT and the police and just everybody like, and the lady that advocated for me is it's a miracle how everything played out. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's where I think God intervenes and sends, like you said, the angels to kind of help guide you through the rest of the darkness because that let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I'm sure from that day on is when things completely went dark for you, like you said. So after the attack, obviously you went to the hospital, right? And did your mom meet you at the hospital? So my mom was actually on her first vacation ever without me. Oh, okay. Yeah. She she was was at home. Seven hour trip away and a two hour boat ride. Oh, that's so, (laughs) as a parent, like that, like, like, because I can't even imagine like getting that call and yeah and your kids like yeah I can't even imagine your poor mom what she was feeling and the thoughts she had to go through and how she had to get through those next hours of getting to you um but you went to the hospital 
and tell us kind of what happened from there. Yeah, so the cops showed up at my house and we had the cameras up. So they ended up contacting my mom through the cameras. Um, that's oh, how okay. she found out. Um, and so she found out at the perfect time to head back and she got there right when I woke up from surgery. I will say I've always coped with dark humor. So as soon as I woke up and saw my face, I just looked at the nurse and I said, wow, it's a good thing I don't have to dress up for Halloween this year. <laughs> like, because I look like a man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So, okay. So you went into surgery and so surgery, a big challenge, they couldn't, they couldn't put your lip back on. So they basically just had to, so like stitch you up around the, around the cut. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot better than I thought, but they did a carapanzate flap. I should okay. But so they stitch from the left to the right, they cut it all the way through. And so they could pull the two slivers of lip together because the lip was obviously dead at that point. And so it gave it room. They typically do it on cancer patients, but so it gave it room to grow and move with me as, you know, time went on. So, it, I mean, it really, as much as adding a new scar was not ideal, it really was beneficial. So talk about kind of the aftermath of how you dealt with everything emotionally and your mental health after everything happened. After it happened was really, really difficult. I couldn't really, you know, get out of the house or when I would get out of the house, people would look at me like, you know, what's wrong with her? (laughs) It was really difficult. I was in a really dark spot for a long time, but I did end up dating for a while after the assault and I think, you know, everything happens in the right timing. You know, those people weren't my forevers, but they helped me get through and push through and see that I am still worthy, even though I have scars. I've been in the, the past year, I've moved away from my hometown and I've really taken time to heal wounds that I didn't realize I still had because I was able to distract myself and push them down while I was dating other people. So I've, feel like this year has been a real roller coaster. Um, I felt the anger that I've never, you know, gave my time, you know, myself time to feel. Um, I felt the sadness, the happiness. And right now I'm at peace. Like, mm. <laughs> it's the craziest thing how you have to hit all of those points to reach that peace. It's like grief. You have to go through all the steps of grief to get through it. And it's the same thing with trauma. You have to go through all the different stages of trauma because that's your body, your, your body and your mind is grieving everything that happened. So you're at peace right now, which makes me so happy. I'm, I love to hear that you're in a good place because I can't again, just, you know, I am a child sexual abuse survivor. That was, that's what my story is. And like I said, I saw the, I saw some domestic violence and all that, but to actually go through what the child sexual abuse and then go through what you went through is something unimaginable that I can't even begin to fathom you, the fact that you're sitting here, one, with a smile on your face, two, with like, I mean, you just had your, people can't see you, but um, you just had your lip. I don't really know how to explain what, what you, what they did. So they, you said that they got fat and they basically created like a, like a new lip. Kind of, they rolled, they took the scar that I previously had and they pulled it up and then took some of that skin out so that they could roll the lip down on the other side to make it even. And then they okay. just pulled it with, um, filled it up with fat <laughs> and it and it just looks like a normal lip and so I love that I love how she's wearing lipstick for the first time in for in so long and I think it's just it's that's amazing and this last year because how long ago was this 
This was four years ago. Okay. Um, so, okay. So it was four years ago. So in the four years, obviously a lot has happened. Like you said, you've dated a little bit. What can you get to give me some like super dark moments that you've had in, in your, in the process. And then the light moments that gave you kind of hope to keep going. Hey guys, quick ad break. So as you know, Candle in a Dark Room supports body positivity and self-love. In some cases, that involves body enhancement and changes. We absolutely support whatever helps you feel your best and most confident self, even if that means changing something. Our good friend, Dr. Hallen, is an experienced plastic surgeon who is highly dedicated to providing superior patient care. What we love most about him is his heart. He truly cares about his patients, their well-being, and enjoys helping individuals feel their best. Dr. Hallen specializes in many procedures, such as breast augmentation, mommy makeovers, Brazilian butt lifts, and so much more. He is one of the most meticulous and talented surgeons in Utah. If you are looking for a surgeon that will have your best interest in mind, as well as top quality service, we highly recommend Dr. Howland. He's in Draper on 11762 South State Street, Suite 220, and his phone number is 801-571-2020. Tell him that Desi from Candle in a Dark Room sent you. We are so grateful for Dr. Howland and his business. They have been great sponsors for Candle in a Dark Room. So go check them out now. So when you go through a domestic violence situation, it doesn't just end with that attack or with that breakup. I, you know, <laughs> still to this day, I get phone calls from GPS companies. or So like, okay, so he was arrested. He got out on bond. He was out for almost a year. And constantly I was getting phone calls saying, hey, we can't, we can't get a hold of this GPS, but when are you safe? And we'll uh, let you know when we get them. So like, it's constantly something. It's constantly a little mm. reminder, you know, something like that. Um, so you are constantly looking over your shoulder. Yes. And then last year, there was somebody that was actually in jail with him that openly admitted to being in jail with him that was saying, hey, meet me at this spot. I'll only kill you if I have to. You have X amount of days to tell the truth about what happened or else you'll find out you know, stuff like that. So we ended up having to press charges on him as well, which I mean, really, I just wanted to be left alone at that point. Cause you know, I just wanted to move So on. this person that was in jail with him sent you those messages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He oh. was commenting it on Facebook on my, um, like the post about my face. Oh, wow. Okay. So you called the police on him. Yeah. And at first they laughed at me. Well, then we got in touch with the right person and he ended up getting arrested for it so it's like it's just constantly something and then so we he got arrested and I ended up moving the same night after I spoke at his arrest hearing or whatever I don't know what it is (laughs) okay yeah and Um, you don't actually even know this person mm -mm, no idea who it is crazy Uh, so it's crazy you never know if somebody else is plotting against you like you just you always have to be cautious exactly okay so after after the attack Tell us a little bit what happened with the court hearings, like you said, or with the court case. So he was ended up being arrested, then he was released for a year, and then what happened from there? Yeah, so I had started talking about my, you know, what happened about six months after it did while he was out on bond. Just and would he contact you? Would he, or did he leave you alone from that? So I heard he had a new girlfriend, and I was literally for that situation. So I started speaking on it, and then a couple months later, he ended up pleading guilty. It was really hard having to face somebody that 
you know, I didn't want to see him ruin his life. I, I didn't want to ruin his life, but it's, I had to come to the realization that, you know, I did not do this. I did not ask for this. I did not do this. You know, nothing's going to change unless you hold people accountable. So, I mean, that was a really hard day for me. Mm -hmm. A lot of feelings, I feel like, especially again, in domestic violence situations of, almost like I like you probably felt feelings at least for me even when I went to get uh, when I went and got my last year my old stepdad got him officially put in prison again for the second time but this time he got life and so I had to testify against him last July and I remember being so confused for about three days I was almost in shock and I remember I, I tried to tell my husband this and I was like I don't know how I don't want to say it out loud because I know it sounds crazy out loud but I need to like tell you how I'm feeling. And I was like, I almost feel guilty. I feel guilty that like his life is gone. Like he's forever in prison because of what he did to me. Yes, that doesn't make sense because he hurt me and I don't care. And I, you know, I, I just, I hate the man for what he did to me. But at the same time, I guess it's the heart in us. It's the human in us that we automatically feel that, that guilt of like their life's ruined. And so can, did you, did you have kind of those feelings or what was the kind of the different feelings you felt in that? Oh, absolutely. I literally hated the thought of him spending a day in prison just because he was so young <laughs> and I did not want to see that for him. Even to this day, like I've never, I've, I've gone through the emotions of being angry with him or at him for what he did, but I truly hope he is able to find some sort of change in his heart, like actual change in his heart and a better person from this. I mean, I don't, and that just shows the kind of person that you are. So, <laughs> I mean, people, you know, I share my story online and people all the time are like, oh, he's this, he should be that he should, you know, and I'm like, that's detrimental to my mental health having to read that because I'm right. not carry that negativity and right. I don't help for him or anybody else. Well, and having hatred in our heart isn't going to help when we're healing and, and you don't even need it. And as much as I say, I hate my stepdad, I, my old stepdad. Yes, and I do, but I also don't like saying that either. I don't like saying that I hate him just because the same thing. Like I, you know, I'm Christian and I always have believed like you don't hate people. You don't carry that, like you said, that anger and that darkness in your heart because how are you supposed to be full of light and heal and this and that if you are carrying that pain, right? So like I said, I think that just shows the kind of person that you are, that you're able to not let people bash him and that you don't want people bashing him and that you want, you know, you hope and pray that he has a change of heart and, you know, something changes in his life. But did he, how long did he end up getting for what happened? He received 12 years and I think he's got to serve like 85% before he's eligible for parole. Okay. okay. So we've got a couple more years. And how did you feel about that? about the court hearing. I, I go to court with, with, with survivors. And so I always love to kind of hear your thoughts on the court process and how that all went down. I was just happy he was held accountable. Right. You know, I have to wear the scars for the rest of my life. But so that, that that's, I think the worst part is it's something that I have to see for the rest of my life. And then they only get like a certain percentage of their life that they have to wear that. Um, but I'm very grateful that he was held accountable. You know, they prepare you for the worst going into it. So right. it was definitely better than I thought. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's that's great that you got 12 years. So, okay. So like you said, you've been working on your mental health for about a year. You moved to a different state or right, different state. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how, 
what do you do to take care of your mental health? Like, what is it? Have you been through therapy? Are you go? What is it that you've continuously gone through to try to help you through this journey? So I go through phases where I am like really like strong headed, like let's post on social media, let's share, let's share, let's share. But I think for the past couple months, I kind of took took a step back and just, you know, focused on my day to day. And I recognized like where in my life, you know, what was making me so angry and what was, you know, what was causing all those feelings. So I feel like once I recognized what it is, I don't even know if this makes sense, but once I pinpointed that, I started seeing up upward. But I did start getting back on my anxiety and depression medicine because it, it got really bad for a while. I've done a little bit of therapy here and there. I definitely want to dive more into that. But I think a really big thing is the connections I've made. Mm-hmm. I recently went to a retreat with other, you know, amazing, resilient women. And I'm just like, dang, like that. I want to be there in five years for that next girl. Like, I just hope and pray somebody's looking at me like I'm looking at them in five years. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just really, you know, trying to spend as much time with family and just doing things I enjoy. Are you by your family, even though you move states? Are you close to family or who do you have people? Okay. Yeah. So so that's probably been the hardest part is not having my my circle, so to say, because I'm in a new space. So meeting new people has been the trickiest part at this age, but. Right. And did you move specifically because you just needed to get out of there? I didn't feel safe. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, but like here. I can breathe. I could never breathe there. And, you know, getting out of the city that all of your pain is held in, it's crazy how much is lifted off your shoulders. Oh, absolutely. I can't even like going, even sometimes I'll drive past a place like where I went with my stepdad and something and that feeling it gives you just like chills. And it's the weirdest feeling we were driving. My husband and I were driving somewhere down, like in Salt Lake downtown the other day. And I swear we passed this like call like it was like a little house or something and instantly I I like froze and I told my husband I was like I'm pretty sure something happened there I don't know what it is I can't pinpoint it but that something in that like that space just gave me like a trigger so it's so interesting so I can imagine like being in a city especially with his old friends and his family and like being worried you're gonna run into them and like I can't I mean that that fear alone is probably just so much stress and anxiety yeah, and it's really hard because you have no idea who to trust. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, especially friends that were probably both of your guys' friends. And that would be so confusing. So not only did, you know, the, the assault happen, you've had to deal with that. But then you've had to, again, relearn to trust people because of everything that happened. And including friends, because yeah, probably some friends, I don't know if some friends maybe took his side or were like, oh, we, we're here for both of you or whatever the thing is. I know that can be really hard because- you automatically think, well, how do you not understand? Like, how are you not on my side? Like automatically. And that I'm sure has caused a lot of turmoil in your life. Can you kind of talk about that? Like what has happened with like relationships because of what happened to you? Yeah. I mean, I don't, he's going to, he, you know, he's still a human. He still needs people on his side. Right. So I don't, it's not about them taking my side. It's just, you know, living in a small city, people run their mouths so much. Mm. (laughs) You just never know. But as far as friends go, I think that was one of my biggest downfalls is because, you know, I was so freaking insecure. I could not even like mm. step out of my front door. Um, and, you know, my friends, they're all so beautiful, like inside and out. They're so gorgeous. You know, I just could not stand to look at their smile. Like, and it was nothing personal. Mm. It was just, it yeah. brought so much sadness upon me. So, you know, I started distancing myself and, you know, I'd, I'd hang out with the 
person I was dating because, you know, they understood how I, how I felt about that. And my friends didn't necessarily understand that. And that, that sucks mm. because I lost years worth of friendships. Mm. Um, Cause they couldn't understand where I was coming from and, you know, they rightfully so. Um, right. I do miss a lot of people that I used to have in my life, but yeah, you know, people come in your life at the time they're supposed to. And that's what I always say as much as it hurts. Okay. So, so now that you're in a new state and you have a new, you know, your new life over there, how is it, how have you gotten to the point of trusting people? Because I feel like after what happened, you, like you said, you dated a little bit, but it was obviously hard to trust people. How about now with like, do you have certain things that you look for? Like certain things, are you, or are you, have you been kind of, have you gotten to a place where you can kind of just like date normally or what, what goes on with that? Yeah. So I've been, I mean, I've gone out a couple of times and it's so funny because a year ago I could not have pinpointed how I can pinpoint it now. Like mm. I'll be sitting there talking to my like, red flag. I'm done. <laughs> Cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> There's that thing that's going around everywhere. It's the red flags. Like, Oh, nope. Mom is like red flag. <laughs> I'm serious. If I had a little red flag, I should have just. <laughs> you carry one in your pocket. Please. Exactly. So that's okay. So that's good. So you kind of know what to look for then. Yeah. I mean, I think I just know, I'm, I'm not like seriously looking. I'm just, yeah. like I said, trying to make friends, but even in making friendships, like it's crazy. You can see through the bullshit. Um, yep. mm-hmm. and I think that's huge. Once you take those little naive and loving goggles off, you can see it yeah. all right in front of you. So, yeah, for sure. So what do you do? So what about the relationship with yourself? Let's like talk about that like what are you what do you do for you to make yourself like self for self-love and how have you been able to have a like a good relationship with yourself is that something you're still working on so I I definitely think that'll forever be a work in progress I really I used to engulf myself in the work day and night day and night and I think now that I'm taking you know my steps back and saying okay I'm cutting my phone off nobody's calling me after yeah just relaxing and doing stuff like that for myself is really good. I, I journal here and there when I'm, you know, starting to feel at my lowest. And then I just found, I just did a little docu-series or film and they have okay. me do a facial. And girl, I will tell you, I love getting facials now. She was so I, <laughs> I've never had a facial ever. Never if I ever see life. you, we're going to get one. <laughs> when we, when I, we see each other, when we meet in real life, we'll go get facials. Cause yeah, I've never had one. I've, I know people always tell me all the time, they're like, well, you've never had a facial. I'm like, I know it's weird. I just never thought about getting one, but I do. I, I've heard that they're amazing. Um, okay. So that's good. So self-care huge, I think. And I think little things is even if like, as today, you are so happy that you have lipstick on today. Like, I love that. I love that you're able to see those light that like that light and that hope in, in those moments, because I think it's easy to see negative things, right. Of, oh, I have to do this happen or this has to happen, or I need to get this surgery or whatever it is that's going on in your head all the time. But I love that you see the positive and every, in so much of what, like this whole conversation, everything that most people that I've interviewed that have been in similar situations, it's not negativity at all, but it's more of, you know, they've had a deal with, they've had, you know, they've had all this, this pain that's built up. And it's something that they're still working through. And even though, like you said, you're a work in progress, I think that you have, you see more of the light and good than you see in the dark and the bad. 
And that's so, that's not very common for someone who's been in domestic violence situations or situations like you, like you've been. I, that's so refreshing to me to just like have that positive, like that positive attitude. And just like, you really are just like glowing. And I love to see, I love to see that. I'm sure you, you hear this all the time, but you are, I hope you know, like you are incredible and you really are helping so many young people and older people and just so many people in general of that like giving them the strength to get out of the situation that they're in or to give them the strength that maybe, you know, I know this girl, she's in a domestic violence situation and her jaw um, has been completely destroyed and broken. And she actually just had surgery a couple weeks ago to reconstruct it because she can't, couldn't even eat or anything for a couple of years. Like she could hardly eat because of it. And so like you, your story, I know is going to bring so much hope to her. And I already told her, I was like, I'm going to interview this girl. And I want you to hear her podcast when I, when I have it, because I already know, like she already knows she's going to be inspirational. So I'm going to let you hear it. So yeah, I just want you to really, I hope you know that I hope you know that you really are such a light in this, in this world and just keep doing what you're doing, girl. And you're beautiful inside and out. If you could have give advice to someone that's in a similar some situation, domestic violence, or even if it's not physical, quote unquote, yet, but it's the emotional abuse, what advice can you give them? I just want to stem off the last thing you said, the the emotional, don't downplay that because that was, that is the thing that sticks with me the worst to this day. You mm-hmm. know, you can see my scars, but at the end of the day, what's down deeper hurt a hundred times worse. So don't be afraid to claw through and try to, you know, fight through those wounds and feel every emotion because it is valid. I don't even know if my wording is making sense, but I just want you no. to valid to go through all those emotions and feel that. But if you see something, say something. And if you see somebody withdrawing, you know, how can I help you? One simple question can change their life. Um, right. I've shared this multiple times, but I'll forever share it. I'll never forget going into school with the black eye and busted face. And, you know, people were making group chats about me sitting right behind me saying, well, if her boyfriend wants to beat her, her problem. No. How can I help you? Mm. Yeah. I would have instantly, maybe not instantly spoke up, but I would have eventually. Um, yeah. It would have given you the space, the space mm-hmm. to feel safe that you can talk to somebody about it. Yep. And I hope, I just hope and pray that somebody out there, if you're listening to this, you know, that if I need to be that space for you, I'm happy to be that space for you. Yeah. I don't know. Well, thank I- you so much. Well, I'm just so glad that we were able to sit down and I'm just so, so proud of you for so many different reasons. So thank you so much for being here. Seriously. Yes. Thank you. I'm so excited to see this and thank you so much. Of course. <laughs> um, you guys, if you want to follow Kayla on Instagram or message her, if you have any questions about maybe you're in a similar situation, please, please, please reach out to her. Um, her Instagram is Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S and it's N101. So Kayla Hayes 101, reach out to her if you have any questions or need help or anything at all. Also, Candle and Dark Room, please reach out to us if you need anything at all. And I hope you guys have an amazing week and thank you for listening.